Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. We're back on the block, on the block, on the block for the second hour. And we're going to get into some NFL draft breakdowns, winners, losers, all of that. But first, listen, we're going to talk about uh, how well the Big Ten actually did in the first round. Um, it, it'll surprise you. I, I will say it, it will surprise you. I, I know that in some areas and in some ways, the Big Ten has not had success in the big games and in, in the big moments. But uh, they're still putting out athletes, no matter how you feel about it, how you uh, look at it, or what you think. What you think and what you thought are two different things, because you might have thought that the Big Ten wouldn't have done as well as like someone like maybe the Big 12 or, or something like that. But they're on par with the ACC. Now, that's what you, that's what you, that's what you thought. But what you think is this. Big Ten has athletes. They've just got to be able to put it together in the big games when it's time to put it together. They have not been able to do that, but they're putting out the talent. And they landed nine in the NFL draft on the first round on the first day. Austin, what's your thoughts on that to start off? I think it's a good step in the right direction for the Big Ten because what I saw a tweet strict that said in 2013, so just a decade ago, the SEC had 12 first-round picks in that draft. The Big Ten had only one. That's a disparity. Mm -hmm. This year, again, fast forward those 10 years, the SEC had nine, which, again, still a really healthy number. But guess who else had nine? The Big Ten had nine. And I think that's a huge step in the right direction in terms of the recruiting. I think a lot of Big Ten schools saw that they had to take that next step in recruiting. I think a lot of that was ushered in by what Urban Meyer did when he came to Ohio State. He brought that kind of SEC recruiting mindset like he did at Florida. He brought that to Ohio State. He made Ohio State be better in recruiting. Not that Ohio State's ever lacked for talent, but he took them to that next level. Then what happens? You see Michigan State, maybe not climb quite that high, but start developing more with less to help rise up in their division. You see, well, really the latest two have been Penn State and, and Michigan. What, what James Franklin has done to raise the level of recruiting, getting Penn State, at least in the top 15, if not the top 10 recently. And now Michigan and Ohio State are going back and forth and back and forth, depending on decommitments and recommitments in this 2024 class for who's on top. So I, I think to a pretty strong degree, you have to credit Urban Meyer's approach for getting the Big Ten to where it is. You have to credit league-wide for investing in facilities in you know going after non-regional talent in some cases. I mean, Illinois had the number five overall pick in Devin Weatherspoon. He's from Florida, Illinois. Got a guy from Florida, developed him into a top five pick. Um, we know Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota are going to stay closer to home. That's who those programs are, what they always have been. But if you look at, you know, even Illinois going out and getting someone from there, uh, Northwestern has gone down other places, developed guys. Um, we know what the East powers will do, even Maryland with that DMV recruiting area. The Big Ten has definitely upped its game in recruiting, and it needed to. I mean, the SEC, sure, still probably the big bad boy on the block in college football, uh, one of the deeper conferences, at least the, the heaviest at the top most consistently. And that's the next step for the Big Ten strike is 
if you're able to put all this talent into the NFL draft, how come you can't win a championship? How come you can't get over the SEC hump? You know, we saw Ohio State get close to Georgia last year, had them on the ropes before they fell apart. Michigan gets dismantled by TCU. I know that was a good entertaining back and forth game, but Michigan's talent level on paper, so much higher. So there's got to be a next step for the Big Ten. Just getting guys drafted is one step, but now it's about time for those results, you know, in the, the ranking boards to start matching up with the results in the postseason. What what what's what's crazy is that I I I I wanted to look over at the pack the Pac-12 who out of the Power Five schools is the worst with only three. Uh, you get one out of with Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon uh, go to the Patriots at number seventeen, and you had Jordan Addison uh, as wide receiver number twenty three to uh, Minnesota. Now that's crazy. They've already got a crazy uh, wide receiver, but getting a, 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 some help like that, I think probably starting him in the slot. I personally uh, don't know if he would be a number two, not unless he just has a tremendous offseason, gets physical, more stronger, and uh, is able to kind of come out and do some things. But So I look at it and I say there's not much upgrade because UCLA and USC, I thought would have maybe been able to put out a little bit more. I think you're going to see that change next year. Obviously, when Caleb Williams comes available, I think you'll probably see them pop back in there again. Those will be um, hopefully Big Ten numbers by then because they should. I think they're coming over next year. Uh, if I'm if I'm correct, I think they they got an exit to get out instead of 2025 to get to 2024. Next, next year's draft, they will still count as Pac-12 because Caleb Williams still count- last season. Uh, oh that's right so oh well they won't count for us uh but 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 nonetheless i'm still surprised that that's nine i'm still surprised that that the big but 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 what was your biggest surprise out of the big 10 um i i I knew skronsky was going to happen you you know you knew that was going to happen out of northwestern but i'll tell you mine but i want to know what yours was was, who's your biggest surprise so Skronsky following just a little bit was a surprise. I thought the Bears were going to take him. I mean, it's only like one, two picks difference, so not not a huge thing there. I didn't know if he was going to be on the board for them, but I didn't think the Bears would let him fall. Weatherspoon, to me, is a huge surprise. I knew he's a first-round top-10 type of talent. We agree. We agree. That was the one I was like, I, 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 where did that come from? You know, that, that came out of nowhere to me. The, the, the the, spoon. Yeah, I mean, really good player. I think Seattle got a good one, but yeah. it, top five overall, that wasn't at all the chatter. Van Ness not starting and going to Green Bay. I think he fits their template, but I'm surprised they didn't try to get him later on. Um, the other one that I thought would have gone a little bit lower than would have been Jack Campbell from mm-hmm. Iowa. Again, really good player, tested off the charts athletically. But the way the NFL has moved to, you know, value picks in drafting, even if Jack Campbell is the 18th best player in the class, middle linebackers you can find anywhere. So he probably would have been available later. So I'm a little surprised that Detroit pulled that trigger on him that high, but they must really love the athletic traits that he showed. Were you surprised that uh, Houston made the move that they made and, and actually picked the way that they picked? Do you think that was a win for them? It's it's a win and it's also a loss, Strick. This is one of those that, again, the mantra has to be get good players. And that's what Houston did. 
they absolutely accomplished that, right? The conversation around them was, are they going to take a quarterback at two or did they go with Will Anderson? Well, Houston had its cake and ate it too. They get CJ Stroud at number two and then they swing a deal to pick right again at number three and give the Cardinals then the sixth overall pick. I was shocked when I saw that go through. They had to give up a lot to get Will Anderson. So they better be right. Will Anderson looks good. Looks like he should be a, a solid player, and they they need you know help on the defensive side of the ball, especially rushing the passer. So I get what they're going for, but again, it's not like the only two holes the Texans had were quarterback and edge rusher. So to me, the strategy would have been use as many picks as possible and try to hit on someone, but Houston went the opposite way and say, let's go get good players that we really believe in. They got two of the three best players in the draft, according to a lot of draft boards, and you can't fault them for that. Yeah, yeah. Um... So then, when you look when you look down there, who who do you think dropped the ball? And I know who you're going to say. And uh, Texter on on the line might be one. And I'm just going to say what the Texter has to say. Uh, Eric uh, on the Sutterham text line says Colts are for another three to four years at least doomed. Terrible pick. So who who else lost big in this in this? I can tell you the Baltimore Ravens feel that they won big. Uh, I know that your boy won big. Lamar uh, Lamar uh, Big Money Jackson uh, hit the hit the lottery, and and I'm saying he hit it without an agent. So uh, all of that bonus money touched bank account on day one. Let me get some of that. Big money, bags, Jackson. And look, there's a song out. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. I I am am for real. real. Your son just hit the lottery. (laughs) Miss Jackson, Miss Jackson's happy right now. (laughs) Miss Jackson, real happy right now. Uh, son did a good job and did it on his own and with probably a little bit of help that, you know, probably from an attorney and so forth and so on to make sure the language and everything's all right. But you, it's better to pay an attorney for the hourly wage than it is to pay that three to four percent that's going to be uh, touched. But winners and losers. Talk to me. OK, uh, big winner to me is Philadelphia. They're Ooh. essentially recreating Ooh. the 21, Ooh. 22 defense. You know, they. Uh, <laughs> They load up on a couple of Bulldogs the last couple of years. Then they get two of them, two Ooh. of them in the first round. They trade up a little bit to go yeah. get Jalen Carter to help plug the middle. And then they get Nolan Smith to fall into their lap at number 30. I, I saw one yeah. draft guide just say they can't keep getting away with this. Yeah. How, yeah. how did they get yeah. two of the best defenders in the draft? They're a winner. I think Jacksonville did some good work on the margins moving back down three picks, but getting like three or four additional picks for a team that, can package those up to go get a star or keep building. I think they did well. Especially it's really hard, Trevor, for, especially with Trevor Lawrence. But you know, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ahead. it's hard for me to say that a lot of people really lost the first round. Um, again, I'm a little confused by what Houston did, but they end up with you know two of the five best players in the draft, so it's hard to fault them. The Lions might be losers because again, an off-ball inside linebacker. And a running back in the first round, the, you know, the draft Knicks would tell you that's maybe not the best value, but you get Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell. So those are two good players. I can't fault them for, for doing that. So I I think a lot of teams did a lot of really good work on on day one. My Colts, I'm not willing to say are winners or losers just yet. 
Richardson okay. is not Levis. I- I'm happy about that. Um, I can't believe I let myself get talked into a little bit of the smoke that CJ Stroud would still be there at four. I, I didn't fully fall for it, but I fell for it just enough that I'm still a little bummed by the Richardson pick. But again, I look at the tools. The more I read, the more I think people think he has a higher floor than your traditional, you know, just tools, boom, bust type of prospect. I just hope that the coaching staff has the right, right guys around him uh, on the offensive line, especially that's getting up there. That's old and expensive. I hope Jonathan Taylor stays healthy. I hope Michael Pittman finds another way to make a step. I hope they go heavy receiver day two, because I get where they're going for. I get the process. It just worries me. And, and here's the, here's the other thing with that strick. I feel like I'm rooting for the same quarterback when I watch Nebraska and Indianapolis. Now mm. I feel like Jeff Smith and Anthony Richardson are similar. A lot of traits, a lot of tools, but can they put it all together? Yeah. I, I love that analogy. That's a really good one. And, but we do want to give our friend who happened to be down there at the draft uh, doing some coverage. Uh, Nate Brennan will be joining us next on the block. We want to give him a little bit more time. So we're going to get out of here, get a, get a quick timeout and a quick break here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. On the block. We'll be right back with Nate Brennan.